It gave us uh, some names and phrases to put on the back of jerseys. Uh, I mean, that, that was terrible. Uh, that, I mean, it was it was just it's a bad list, bad choice. Uh, you know, they didn't give players a chance to you know voice their opinion on. They just gave us a list to pick from. You know, so I mean, that was that was bad. That's terrible. I was disappointed, very disappointed in the list as well. That was agreed to. I think that. Things were tried, attempts were made to, to add to that list, but the NBA um, agreed that, that that list was what was satisfactory. So hopefully, maybe we can get some more names on that list or some more things to add, you know, or meet in the middle, but I was disappointed as well. Hey, everybody, it's another edition of Free Association on the Sportsnet Podcast Network. My name is J.D. Bunkus, joined as always by Donovan Bennett, the busiest man in sports media today. I have been the opposite. I think that you and I are living very, very opposite lives right now. You are working 24-7. You have never been busier. I can't believe that you're still on this podcast. It actually genuinely seems beneath you at this point. Um, It shouldn't even register for the amount of stuff that you have to do. I have just been on a vacation for about five days and I'm about to go on another five day vacation in two days. So like I have this little short gap of having to work in between vacations where I'm basically just I'm by a pool or a lake drinking and screwing around on a jet ski, basically all hours of my day or playing spike ball. Um, have you partaken in any of those experiences, sir? Uh, like beach, obviously, but I mean, spike ball or a jet ski. Have you done either of those two things? No, no, no. Okay. I got to tell you, I used to look at a jet ski. Like it was the dumbest investment that anyone could possibly make. Like what's this for? Kenny powers? Like it's idiotic. I don't think it's the funnest thing to drive in the history of humanity. Like we've never created anything more exhilarating than that. Like I, I promise you. Associates, if you can ever find yourself getting the opportunity to operate a jet ski vehicle, please trust me and do this thing. Like it's freeing. It's just you're you're a dolphin. You're a super speed dolphin. What doesn't sound good about that? I mean, no jet ski, no motorcycle, no uh, bungee jumping. Just I, I have enough excitement in my life as it is. Uh, I don't need to add degree of difficulty. I promise that the jet ski is not like those two things, though. Like a motorcycle is dangerous. It's like you could really get hurt if you didn't know how to drive it. Water? No, it's but it is, but it's like you can't hit anything. The only thing they tell you when you get on it, and I'm sure that my friend is not giving me the actual full rundown safety thing, but basically, it's like as long as you don't hit a rock or a deadhead in the middle of the water that you're going to be fine. I'm just telling you that I'm pretty apprehensive with this kind of stuff. Like I would never bungee jump ever. My sister works at a place where they have bungee jumping. She offered it to me for free. And I was like, absolutely not. There's no way in hell that I'm ever going to do that. Same with a motorcycle. Like I'd be the dead last person to ever ride a motorcycle or own one, maybe ride one around a track, but not through the streets. Like, no, 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 no. A jet ski though, man, is like you, you, it's, I don't want to say foolproof, but it's pretty much foolproof. You can go as fast as you want. I did a 360 on day one. No big deal. Might go pro. It's just, it's, I can't tell you. Like, I love it so much. Listen to the joy in my voice. This is jet ski bunk. Like, this is the, this is who I want to be. Is this man on a beach with a jet ski pinning it and then maybe cooling down with some spike ball. I think you'd be good at spike ball. 
Um, I would give it a college try. I, I don't know. Yeah. Jet skiing. I mean, spike ball. Sure, I just like competition. Uh, yeah. Jet ski's not just not a an itch I'm dying to scratch. But what's I mean, the what most? Is? What's the most like extreme? thing you've ever i don't even consider this extreme after doing it but what's the thing that you've like really pushed yourself into doing like whether it's yeah like something close to bungee jumping something close like amusement park rides like is that as far as you've gone i mean i have been on amusement park rides i don't know if that's close to bungee jumping um i don't know i don't really know if there's i don't know if there's anything I'm I'm somewhat risk averse when it comes to money. <laughs> Not like I mean, a... I, I, be, being in like a swamp in New Orleans where there's alligators. I now suppose would, would be like one of those tours. Um, would be I suppose the closest. But yeah, n- nothing. Uh, like nothing on a fan boat. Correct. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. See, I've never done that. I would love to do that. Although I feel like every time on TV the fan boat dies. Like the fan boat always blows out and then the people on the fan boat are stuck. Like, has there ever been a television show where they just, you know, drive the fan boat and the fan boat works just fine? Um, I mean, I'm sure there has been. I'm going to take the over if we're setting the line at one. Um, but yes, if you are in New Orleans, uh, go out onto the bayou, look at some gators uh, and bring yourself a beverage. It was a time. Yeah, that actually sounds really, really good. So as I said, I've been off. I've been kind of cooling down. I've been staying off social media, which has felt incredible. I won't lie. Like there's just something about stepping away from your phone for a week and and kind of abdicating yourself from from that lifestyle uh, when you permanently kind of live online. I think the way that a lot of people in sports media do, that was refreshing. But I also feel like I didn't miss too much NBA news. Like you guys sent me a couple of things, but it feels like kind of a quiet week. But I'll let you kind of... I don't know. You want to fill me in basically on the fly on the podcast? Um, well, I mean, NBA players are reporting or starting mm-hmm. to report, I should say, uh, tomorrow based on when we're taping this. So today on when many people um, are listening to this, the Bucks, the Heat uh, and the Clippers have shut down their practice facilities because of uh, some positive tests. So they will not be practicing before they head to Florida for the resumption of their training camp. Uh, And some reporters are actually in Florida. They're already being quarantined because they are traveling commercial and the teams are traveling private. Their quarantine lasts longer. So we're already seeing reports of what the quarantine life is like. You get three square meals a day, 8 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m. Someone delivers them to your room, knocks on the door, you wait for them to leave. and then you bring it in and consume it instead of like making an order of what you want they just give you everything that's on the menu in a bag basically and you eat whatever you want and the rest is waste to limit on the amount of sorting and touching that is happening with this food and the only time you're allowed to leave your room uh is once at the same time every day and that is to be tested that's what the quarantine life is like for the reporters in the bubble uh but outside of that uh, mark spears reported some of the names that could be going on jerseys uh and the WNBA will be doing uh something similar uh that's the plan right now anyways some of the league approved names that could go on jerseys um that was the other real news i suppose even, although that was speculated 
And the rules are kind of weird. You're allowed to have a name on the back of your jersey for the first four days. Or sorry, a, a not a name, a saying on the back of your jersey for the first four days of the restart. Then after that, you're allowed to have a name if it's or a saying if it's approved over your actual nameplate and not taking over the nameplate where your last name would be. There's a list of 12 sayings that are approved by the league that you could have on your jersey. You're allowed to have up to two more, but you have to like basically ask for permission and have them registered. The whole thing to me seems kind of weird. Like I, I don't know if it's still a protest if you're getting messaging from the league on what you're allowed to have on jersey. No, you know. But that's just my thought. No, but your take is the correct one. I feel like, okay, sure. Is there uh, is there a positive measure there? Absolutely. But just yeah, as you're saying it, it's like, what kind of a protest is it? It's like, we're doing the protest within the guidelines. Like, that's not really a thing. So I'm actually, I, I would understand, I would feel like this is kind of an easy one for the league that, okay, so they're going to have to turn around the uniform, right? Like, they actually have to manufacture these things. And there would probably be just an element of, hey, you can't, switch this thing every day because people have to work on it. We have to get it. Like there's just some logistical issues in, in the COVID era where the rule should be like, you can't switch the name or the saying every single day without getting some stuff done in advance, like having it put in now. And secondarily, just no profanity. Even, well, obviously no profanity, but even that, like I get from a logistics standpoint, it would be easier if you just had one saying on your name and stuck with it. But sure. I mean, I can get, you know, Big Donnie three on Big a jersey. Donnie three. That's your I can get Big now, Donnie three so you know. on a jersey at Real Sports in like fifteen minutes. Was that so, your hotmail name? No, I just it was, I just made it up. The, the, three. the point was to come up with a name that had nothing to do <laughs> with anybody. Um, but if if random consumers off the street can go into their local, you know, sporting goods store sure. and get a name printed on the back of a jersey you mean to tell me the nba can't figure out a way to change whatever the name is when the next terrible atrocity happens and someone wants mm -hmm. to to maybe make a different statement because they're going to be in the bubble for three to four months here's a list of names that have been somewhat approved this is based on mark spears reporting uh on the undefeated black lives matter no kidding vote see us say their names, hear us, how many more, speak up, respect us, I can't breathe, anti-racist, listen to us. So like some form of us, something about names and things that people chant, like Black Lives Matter and I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And then I guess like if you're a white player and you just want to like be down for the cause, you could just put anti-racist. It's like, hey, Kyle Korver here, I'm an ally. But I don't really, like, none of these things are, are, not that they need to be overly controversial, but they're not overly specific. Like, if if 100 guys have Black Lives Matter on their jersey, then at some point it's just white noise. It's not really a statement. It's just a promotional campaign. But I would love for guys to have very specific things on their jerseys because then that actually prompts some conversation whether it's them specifically with the media or people screen capping it and tweeting about it and maybe illuminating others who don't understand it with more information. But I mean, this is a thought in terms of scouting. If everyone in the room is thinking the same thing, then nobody's thinking. 
And I feel like that's the same if you give people a list of 11 mm -hmm. to 12 things that they can have on their jersey. If everyone is saying the same thing, no one's really making a statement or saying anything. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really smart point. And if you, okay, I, I kind of think too, it's like, all right, if you're a player and you want to make a political statement and the whole part of this is that you don't want the NBA to be a distraction and that you want to be able to use the platform, then why are you know, we saying that we're going to put a limit on how you use the platform that's supposed to be the main driving force of returning and not, uh, you know, not becoming a distraction. You're right. Like, I, I just think that if, okay, let's say that you are a Minnesota born player and that you do want to put George Floyd's name on the back of your uniform, or you do want to even, I don't know, like, I don't really think it's that like in I don't think it's that bad if the NBA, if there's a player that says, I want to put defund the police on, on my like defund Minnesota PD on my uniform. Like, yeah, let, let the players do it. Like this is supposed to be one of the big reasons that guys, you want them to come back, that the incentive is that they get to use their voice. They get to use their reach. So while I'm not trying to diminish the, the messaging of trying to tell people to get out and vote or black lives matter, but I, I just think that it's a, a bit of an oddity to say that you can protest, but only within the guidelines of the protest when some of the stuff I don't find to be, like I said, if you put a profanity, you can't have that. Like then you're blurring it on television. Like you don't, you don't want that. Like I remember John Morant got into trouble early because he wanted to have uh, the police or I like something along those lines. Just bleep that Michael. But uh, I, I can't really see how, it's that damaging for the league if guys decide to put something personal, especially given the amount of time they have. You're right. Like, submit it for an approval, let it get approved, give it over to smart people who can make some decisions, and then just let it happen. Don't just say that there's a set limit. It just, yeah, it makes it feel weird. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. It just, it doesn't make it feel like what I expected it to be, if that makes sense. Well, here's a couple of things that the league is balancing. Let's say you're allowed to just put you know, other people's names on your jersey, right? George Floyd, Bjorna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, you know, whoever it happens to be. Then the league is concerned with, well, you know, do we have to get the families buy-in? What constitutes the family buy-in? What if some family members say yes, other families are uncomfortable about it, or they want to choose what player um, has that name on their jersey? Then other families who have who have uh had you know similar atrocities might feel left out if you know their fallen member's name is not mentioned on a jersey and then you just have like a keeping up with the joneses aspect of it um so the, i mean that's one issue another issue is if you just say okay you can have whatever you want and fred van vliet's like well i want bet on my on on yourself on the back of my jersey and norm powell says understand the grind on the back of his jersey and so that it then it becomes very difficult because if lebron james says well i want more than an athlete on the back of my jersey people will be like oh yeah cool like you don't have to shut up and dribble you're more than an athlete that's empowering but then fred says well wait a minute i want bet on yourself and how how are you deciding that more than an athlete is okay but better on yourself isn't and then it's like, are you now negotiating with Fred? Well, it's like, what about bet on your community or bet on small business? Is that okay? Like, that's where it gets tricky. And so that's why sometimes like the, you're even good, good 
ideas end up with bad outcomes. And I think this was a good idea, but now when they're actually trying to put it into practice, for many different reasons, you could end up with like a bad outcome or just a, I don't want to say bad, but like a blah yeah. outcome. No, well, okay. So here's my like slight pushback to that would be twofold. One is like the stuff with the families. I mean, okay, that just doesn't seem that difficult to be able to ask the families like, hey, you're looking for justice for, you know, your your child or your loved one or your parent or your mother, your sister, your brother. Um, we're trying to do that. And if it's genuine, I just, I have a hard time believing that a family wouldn't want to sign off on that. And guess what? If they don't want to, then okay, then that's done. That's out. Um, secondarily, the thing about but guys wait, but before before you move on before you move on yeah but what but part of the fear is if there are a bunch of jerseys for Bianca Taylor and Ahmad Arbery and Trayvon Martin but there are none for Tamir Rice and Michael Brown part of the fear is you're now revictimizing people who their family members are victims of of heinous crimes because they haven't reached the level of outcry maybe well, it was in on videotape maybe it, it, what happened oh, oh, oh i'm just i'm just telling you what the, the concern is yeah is that is that is that my trauma is not trending enough yeah. for the trauma that makes the back of jerseys that that's that's where that comes from is where it's like okay well, we're just not gonna have any names on jerseys to skirt that that potential uh issue yeah okay um I mean, I, I guess I just think that it's still like if you're asking players to be genuine in their concern and they want to spark a conversation, which is a part of this, is that that having someone's name on the back of your uniform, it forces someone who's like, oh, what? Who is that? All of a sudden, someone's actually searching that. And all of a sudden, someone maybe is talking about that. Or maybe someone does learn about that. I, I just think that there's more avenues for positive change, the more specific that you actually get with these things. Like, But anyway... The second part was just, I don't know, I, maybe I'm making a mistake, but I would like to believe that guys are looking at this and understanding like, yeah, this is not a branding opportunity, okay? Like this isn't supposed to be about you. That's what you're supposed to be kind of lending your ability and your likeness to something greater than yourself. So if a player decided like, hey, um, I want to put, and again, this makes it sound bad because we're talking about Fred Van Vliet, like it's not even as though he would want to do this. The guy's from... Uh, the, like the, the guys from a state where there's like the most corrupt police uh, force in all of America, maybe like all of North America ever. So I doubt he would be the guy, but let's just say it was him saying, I want to put bet on myself on the back of the uniform, or I want to put my branding here that he would even have business partners that would go, Hey Fred, we don't want to do this. This is going to be a really bad look for us. Like the blowback to this is going to be immense. Like if you try to personalize this, if you try to make this about you, that there's just going to be checks and balances from the public and from media and from critics that that would that wouldn't make it even worth it for you. So like that's the part where I'm like how could that even happen? Maybe it would, maybe it is a valid concern. It's just it's hard for me to envision anyone thinking that using that platform as a branding opportunity would be a wise decision and that wouldn't just completely result in in public blowback. Yeah, it's 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 it, this whole thing will be fascinating cuz I don't think it's final it's certainly fluid but mm -hmm. in any exchange of ideas you need to be somewhat open uh to both sides and so if i don't want to use a specific name but let's say alex caruso is like listen i want all lives matter on my jersey talk to me and tell me i can't put it on you are you are you dictating that my 
beliefs have to be in lockstep with the rest of the league that's not necessarily a great look that's where it's if, if someone wants to uh if someone wants to put you know all monuments matter on the back of their jersey mm -hmm. this is this is where it gets tricky and again sometimes you know good ideas end up having negative outcomes and so although it's good for the players to have that power and although i don't like the idea where they just get to check a box um off of a list of 12 things that they are willing to have on their jersey i would love for that to be specific and intentional you know I'd, I'd love for you know serge Ibaka to to speak to an issue that is unique to him and and maybe is a source of inspiration for you know people in the continent of africa um or i i, I would love for um enos Cantor, if he feels safe enough to to speak to issues that he's talked about for a while in in his native country and it, it doesn't just have to be about anti-black racism i would love for players to be able to speak to um whatever issue they're they're passionate about or educated on um but it is tricky i i, I but I, I don't i just think after seeing the initial like cp story on what the jerseys look like with the 12 sayings on them i think people are just gonna no longer care like we had a couple soccer matches um you know in, in europe where yeah everyone had black lives matter on their jersey and when the jerseys came out and when they were first leaked they were fire and i was in group chats with people like i would pay x amount for that jersey that's sick whatever and then like after a week like we no one really noticed anymore and that's what i'm afraid that this will end up being yeah i think it's tough because there's a balance of discussing like hey are you staying on message and are you staying on brand and are you keeping people focused on one issue versus yeah are you having are you having a slogan be corporatized and turned into something that it wasn't meant to be and does that soften the the rally cry so i, I think it's a tough balance and yeah you're involving a corporation in a league in the nba it's it's hard and, to have and it feel and nike Right, exactly. Like multiple corporations and say like, yeah, this is not that like to try to have the the background of this as being an actual like revolutionary thing or that this is something that has a real a feeling of a protest behind it. It just doesn't. It's it, like once you corporatize things, it just it, it changes. It evolves in a different way. So I still think that the, the most powerful avenue for change is going to come with players off of the court. It's going to come with pressuring leagues and owners to actually make, you know, actual contributions, whether it is to politicians or to uh, foundations. But I will say, like, I've probably overcomplicated or undercomplicated it or what's the word here? I probably underthought about, yeah, all of the different complications and all of the legalese that would need to go into something like this. Just as you're kind of fleshing out some of the ideas, I'm like, OK, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense from the league standpoint that they would have to do this in order to protect themselves from X. But I also will say that there is just a measure of slight disappointment in me in the NBA that it would be like this 12 thing and that, yeah, it just couldn't be handled in a way like this. This goes like not to oh God, we're, I'm going for too far down the rabbit hole. But I always thought this with like with judges is like with mandatory minimum sentences. Like, why are you taking the power away? Like judges are supposed to be a smart person. They're supposed to be able to understand nuance. And so, like, why wouldn't you just be able to have some people in power, like put a position have it involve a couple of players, have them be able to send in some whatever they would want to have on the back of a uniform and let it go over for approval during this time, set up a committee 
and have a couple of volunteers and then decide whether or not something is appropriate or not, whether or not it's something that is going to incite a conversation that isn't productive. Like when you said the all lives matter thing, like I think that that can be broken down pretty quickly by a, a, like a tribunal where they just say, hey, this is why this is not doesn't make sense. And this is why we don't want this on the uniform. Take it or leave it and then leave it. Like that's the situation. Like, I, I don't know. I, I again, yeah, I'm probably actually, oversimplifying. I'm, and I may not have explained this well. So after the initial 12, uh, you know, league friendly sayings that you can have, you can opt for approval to have additional two, you mm. know, personal sayings that you could have on your jerseys um, after the initial launch or whatever, but those have to be approved. But again, you know, from everything that's, being speculated because this is all speculation mm -hmm. that process is going to be pretty tight because you you can't really fly close to the sun on what you allow because yeah. if someone has something very specific to um you know let's say sandra bland and you know her death wasn't an accident and then then a player will say okay great i want to have on my jersey jeffrey epstein didn't kill himself and you have to be able to set a precedent that says, well, maybe that's not a good idea. And so that's why I think even in the things that the, the mandated two uh, things that players can potentially have on their jersey or above their nameplate over the next three to four months, that's that's going to be pretty, pretty. It's going to be pretty, pretty safe in terms of what is approved because you don't want to open that Pandora's box uh, of having other things that um people criticize you for not allowing i mean let's be honest the nba is already criticized as being uh it's both loved and criticized for being mm -hmm. overly progressive overly liberal overly left-leaning and so some people love that and some people obviously on the other side of the aisle don't love that and so if you had to, to use your example to fund the police on a jersey i guarantee you like let's say it's the the you know Minnesota's jersey when they're you know playing in the loser bubble I guarantee you immediately people would be setting that jersey on fire Imme immediately no questions asked and so that's I think what the league is trying to get away from there's there's gonna be people that are upset about Black Lives Matter on jerseys to be to be quite frank yeah I just don't think you can ride the line like it's just a weird thing to try to ride and be like okay well this is the thing that we do and this is the thing that we don't and like yeah, that this is this is approved messaging from the movement. Like again, the whole have you have you worked for a corporation before? Like that's literally what they do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how they're so... built. <laughs> yeah. So we've got some new things for you this NBA season. And no, it's not just Terrence Davis playing so well. We have a newsletter that will break that down and so much more. Our weekly newsletter from NBA editor Stephen Leung. It gives you original content, opinion, analysis. You can't find it anywhere else. And it is delivered directly to you right in your inbox. Sportsnet.ca slash newsletters. Just subscribe and we got you. Okay, you know what? I want to move on to a couple of other things. So, firstly, I actually just want to ask you because you were you were talking about the quarantine for reporters, and you are one. Like, I don't go out in the field. I haven't done it since I don't know. I was very very new in the industry where I actually like went and covered games and went into locker rooms. It's not a part of my day to day. Uh, I should probably do it just a little bit more. Um, but yeah, anyways, 
you do it would would you like would you want to do this would you, like are you is your level of just intrigue so so great that and again you're the perfect person to ask because you have home responsibilities that like you got a, a young child and you like would you would you be willing to do this if if the circumstances lined up that hey donovan we're going to send you here you get to do this and and be a part of this as a journalist this unique opportunity would that interest you or would that be too much so I was talking to Michael Lee about this great reporter for the athletic and I I'm in lockstep with his thinking. And so I'm not even going to say this is the, the thought process of my own. If I was 24, 25, 26, 27, young, single, um, not married, certainly not without a kid, not only would I do it, I would be looking forward to it. I'd be leaning in. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Like this would be the the personal uh, opportunity of a lifetime just to be a part of history, but it would be the career opportunity for a, a lifetime. You know, you're going to be among the ch- select few, the 15 or so media members that are the voice of what's happening for the rest of the season in this historic time. So what I s- suspect we're going to see come out of this is not just the elevation of the voices that are in the bubble because they're the only ones telling the stories and their followings are going to go up and their cachet at their workplaces is going to go up and, and thus it's like compound interest. Their careers are going to be better for it moving forward unless they just do something you know horrendous and then they'll be vilified. But also, do, do you know the books that are going to come out of this? The, 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 I'm certain that much anecdotes, uh, information access is not going to be reported. It's going to be put in a notes app on a phone or in a literal, you know, spiral workbook because they're going to be in podcast series and documentaries and books. Like anyone who's covering this is going to have an opportunity unless, I mean, I was going to say unless it's a total disaster, but even if it's a total disaster, that's just another narrative in terms of storytelling. Anyone who's going to be there is going to be able to profit off of this experience so if i was younger for sure a hundred percent this is like summer camp with the best basketball players in the world and i'm covering it yeah i'm I'm down uh however i can't imagine being like yeah you know what um wifey peace you are a gainfully employed person as well uh but you're gonna Mm -hmm. single parent our child for the next three to four, well, I guess if you're going, you're going for the finals, four months. Plus I'm going to put myself in physical danger and thus you and our child in physical danger when I come back. Cool. Like, I no, I, I don't, I don't think I, I, it's not even something I would necessarily broach because it's not something I would be interested in. The, the cost benefit analysis is not even really close for me at, at that point. So, um, yeah, I would, now I would have zero interest. Um, but, uh, but the MB, but if I was younger, if it was starting my career, um, or just in a different life stage, a hundred percent, I'd be down and I'd be interested. I do think having said that and not wanting to set the precedent that I would never do it. I do think if it was a shorter window, like, so there's rumors about um, a six game CFL season in Winnipeg. If it was like a, like a sprint to the finish and not a marathon, I think I would be down for that, but I don't, I don't think I would be 
I don't think I would. I, I know I wouldn't be down for a quarter of a year in the hotbed of coronavirus in, in the world right now. I don't think you're getting the book deal off of uh, James Wilder Jr. and the experience of being around him for six you're, weeks. You're right. I'm not getting the book yeah. deal off of James Wilder Jr. because <laughs> he retired. Okay. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> no longer tough. a CFL player. He retired? Ouch. That's yes. tough. That's my go-to name for the league. So I gotta well, You're going to have to name. come up with another one. Yeah, I'm going to need a new name. Um, uh, what's Brandon the Argos? No, no. I was going to say, what's the Argos quarterback? Uh, they Matt got, Nichols? He, Oh, is that now the quarterback? Okay, no, I thought it was somebody. Well, he, else. they signed him in the in the offseason. Okay, uh, I got to get back. I got to get my CFL game back. Like it's obviously very very rusty, but to me, it's so much about it. CFL is going to the games. Like the experience is actually going to the stadiums and watching it live versus the television product. It's just it's tough as an NFL fan, but that's for uh, another day. Um, so yeah, uh, we're getting this. It seems like it's happening. I don't really see. Oh, 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 let me just put it that way. I don't see it happening that this thing gets shut down before they get off the ground, barring some type of a disaster. I just think that even if a couple of more players test positive, that there's just too much momentum behind this thing actually getting off of the ground and that we are going to see teams report. We are going to see teams down in Florida that this thing is going to start on time. Um, do you feel do you feel any differently towards that than you do right now? Like just knowing the numbers that are happening in Florida and the fact that that hasn't derailed it at this point, like it just seems like we're too close to the goal line that, that they're going to push this thing forward. Right. Like that's your feeling. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I suppose okay. it is. I, I mean, I wouldn't, if I had to lay money, obviously I'm going to lay money that they're going to be playing uh, games in, you know, 25 days. Yep. But uh, I don't know, man, like, and I, I don't want to single out basketball. I think, I was asked um, when I was on Timothy last week, is it a question of whether or not they're going to play? And I think it's certainly a question. I don't think it's a strong likelihood that they don't end up pulling this off, but I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. And that doesn't just go for the NBA. That goes for Major League Baseball, which I think is probably in the worst situation oh, of all these probably. leagues. It's definitely um i mean the nfl we're not even really putting on the scale to grade yet because they're so far away from actually playing games but they're also so far away from at least appearing to take this serious and then the nhl which again this is like bumper cars in terms of who's in first and who's in the last the nhl which at one point during these conversations super producer michael could tell me just how long it go it was i thought the nhl was in the worst spot and now given the fact that canada has done such a great job i think they're in the best spot to pull this off so i yeah i i it's i'm reticent to say oh yeah for sure it's happening because my opinions on the viability of all of this relative to the other leagues has changed like seven times in the last Mm -hmm. seven weeks so yeah i think so but when you hear and, and here's the other thing we're not even in at the point where they're in the bubble yet players were theoretically supposed to have been not doing anything chilling being super safe for the last however long and yet we're having so many positives that they're shutting down facilities because they can't contain it they don't want to take the risk so if if we're bringing everyone into this bubble where there's a bunch of people that are already compromised the whole point is you start the bubble off fresh with nobody who's compromised, and thus all you have to do is maintain it. 
That's not even the scenario that we currently have. But again, they're forcing this through because they've got dates in the calendar that they have to hit. But I mean, I'm not confident that once you have all these players together and they haven't shown the ability after three months to keep themselves out of harm's way, that they're going to be able to do that better all on the footprint of the same place in an area where the virus is running rampant. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised if if an entire team gets wiped out from it, if, if many players get down there and they're like, yeah, no, hell no, and they pull, start pulling themselves out. Um, n- none of that to me would surprise me if I got any push alert that, that said something of that ilk. I'd be pretty shocked. I think we're too close. And I think that this week was going to be the time where we got the early news dump or that there was going to be some buzz. But the fact that there's not even any buzz around um, players thinking about not going or people just having their second thoughts or reservations, the league really looking and reevaluating. Like, I just I think it's too close. I think it's happening. Um, I do think that there are going to be some players that don't start in the regular season because they've contracted COVID-19. And that's going to be like a real question mark about, okay, well, how long do you have to wait before you can enter the bubble and and so on and so forth. But I think it's happening. I think uh, I'm lining my pockets. I should have had a thousand dollars from you um, because I was confident in this all along. Um, it's a moving target. It's really tricky, but I just, I think that they're, I think that they're right there. Um, well, what was the date? What, what, what was the date that we set? August 15th. Oh, so, so you snuck it in there. Oh yeah, you snuck it in. That's right. Assuming, assuming, assuming it gets it done, it's still gonna happen. Like I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't yelled out my victory speech. I, I like, I'll have it. Like I have a draft for when it starts, but I, I haven't, like, I haven't finished the like final copy. I'm gonna make Michael make sure that you know we go over it together, goes point by point. Um, that he likes it. Mike, you know what's great too about Michael is like. He really laughs at my jokes, even when they're not really that funny. So he's just going to be just the perfect hype man for your hilarious jet ski bunk. Yeah, see, exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. It's like just a great guy to have in your corner when you're trying to lay some jokes out there. Like it doesn't fall flat with the kid. Like he just knows how to give you the proper response. So like it might bomb actually on the show, but at least I'll have a a real moment where I, I felt good about it for for a hot second. Just like I feel good about. Okay, I've I've already transitioned now into starting to think about these actual games and really trying to refresh myself with these teams. Like it happened last week when we were going over the Raptors schedule and I was kind of looking at okay, who are they going to face and how are those teams in a way and what teams are going to look different to me. And what I've realized in in waiting for these games or preparing for um this next version is that I'm kind of wiping a bit of the slate clean. Not just that, like, okay, all of a sudden now the Lakers stink or LeBron got old, but I'm looking at this now like some players had some downtime to improve. Like John Morant talked about how he's added 12 pounds of muscle. Zion Williamson looks, it's one picture, but like, I don't know, is there more footage of Zion? But the one picture he has where he's wearing the mask, he looks like a superhero. Like he looks completely shredded. He looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Pascal Siakam looks like he's in good shape. Um, Fred Van Vliet has has changed his body around. Marcus Saul, obviously, and and Nikolai Jokic are probably the most famous two guys for this in terms of just the drastic changes and overhauls they've done with their body. But it's it's going to happen with guys' jump shots too. It's going to happen with team chemistry as well. It's going to feel like a brand new season with this weird footprint from the before four times when when guys were together. So 
what I want to do before we wrap up today is talk about like the teams and the players that are the, just the stories going into this that you're most interested in. Cause from my standpoint, like I'm just giving you the setup is that I'm most interested in the teams that I think have the, the actual ceilings to change and compete with this thing. So do you want me to go first or do you want to, do you want to kind of set up what interests you the most and, and go after, like, how do you want to do this? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, let me just ask you, is that kind of the same way you feel about it? Like you're looking at the teams with higher ceilings because of the break. I'm most interested in the Brooklyn Nets because I'm not really sure if they're going to be able to field an NBA basketball team. Uh, These are Nets not playing in the bubble. Kevin Durant, obviously. Kyrie Irving, not that surprising. DeAndre Jordan, Wilson Chandler, Nicholas Claxton. I mean, we didn't really... No, I didn't Nicholas even know who Claxton that was until existed, he said he wasn't coming. But, yeah. <laughs> but he's not going to be making an impact. <laughs> is he uh, related Spencer to Speedy? Dinwiddie, uh, I, he's a center and Speedy is a guard. So I, I, unless they have totally different genes, uh, I'm going to guess no. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie is questionable. He currently has the coronavirus and has been documenting uh, his struggles through it. Hasn't really been able to do much. He was really on the fence anyways because of you know his pull towards some social justice causes uh Karis LeVert and his contrast uh Karis LeVert also reportedly on the fence do you have a Brooklyn Nets without the people that I've just listed like I mean like what's left of the is is Sean Jared Allen you have Jared Allen you have um it's going to be a thin Nets team like they're not going to be competitive in fact I actually think there's a real scenario if Dinwiddie doesn't go where they just like actually plummet and drop all eight games like that. They are just the, the walk away easy team that everyone can beat up on. Well, they, they, but they're also, they're also right now currently in a playoff position. Like, right. They're there not because they're just competitive. They're there because of the seventh seed. So, I mean, I, the Raptors are hoping they like win three games and hold that spot. And maybe yeah. that's your first round, uh, opponent but you're looking at like garrett temple uh iman shumpert uh, joe harris i was gonna say uh, we should we should have respected joe harris more he's like an actual guy <laughs> yeah but like that team justin anderson who was like a highlight waiting to happen in the in the g league he like might start for them at this point like they're they're they're, they're really not they should get relegated to the loser bubble at, at this point. And so they, they, but when you look at their schedule, they actually play some teams that really, really matter. And so that lack of competitive balance, I suppose, matters. But I also just wonder on how they handle this as a franchise because you know, I mean, you should know, they know, they're not winning the NBA championship. Like they're there because they were frisky throughout the regular season. But I also feel bad for Jacques Vaughn, who's like literally coaching for his NBA future. And yeah. so do they, do they just shut this down and make it like summer league for the Nets? And if so, what does that do to the competitive balance of the entire situation when people are only going there to play eight games and because they might still end up being a playoff team? So I, how that plays out, the fact that you're just removed 80% of a team's salary cap and are like, yeah, are you still competitive? Let's see. Um, I, I find that to be fascinating. So my initial thought, my gut reaction about the Nets is that, okay, let's say it's the ultimate doomsday where like, yeah, Levert doesn't go and uh, Dinwiddie never shows up. If you were Levert, why would you go? Like, let's be honest. 
Well, here's why you would go is because you look at it as an opportunity for you to be the guy on the team and that you get a showcase essentially for eight games. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, for eight games or potentially a playoff series, too, that you look at it and you're like, I'm the central figure of the offense and I've been working on my game and I want to play like that's the thing that's kind of lost on this for some like, again, maybe he's on the fence, but this this seems to be lost sometimes in the conversation about these guys returning. It's like there's a sense of purpose here, like NBA players want to come back. This isn't strictly about monetary reasons that like LeBron James is a wealthy, wealthy man, like he does not need to get a paycheck. The driving forces behind the NBA's return to play were not the the depth players on the roster that were looking to get paychecks. They were the superstars in the league that wanted to be able to play basketball. Like that's what most of these guys who are coming back are not feeling that financial pressure. They are saying, I want to play basketball. This gives me a sense of purpose. I love to do it. I've been playing it since I was a kid. It's a distraction for me. Um, when you were talking about, you know, being younger and being single and looking at an opportunity is like, that's like the Kemba Walker thing where Kemba Walker was like, yeah, I'm single and I'm going to be fine staying in my room and, and playing basketball. I can't wait. So, I just don't think it's a disaster scenario that these guys are going like they're not heading into a war zone here. Like they're going down to play basketball and stay at like some of the nicest hotels on the planet. Like they're going to be like, I hope anyways, that they're going to be okay and that they're going to enjoy this experience for the most part. It's going to be very difficult on guys with families who don't get to see them, who don't get to do some of the have some of the same freedoms that they enjoy for the most part. But yeah, the reality is, is that this is actually going to be safer for a lot of guys than it would be living in day to day America. If you live in Texas and you're still trying to get out to the odd, you know, get together with a friend or two or or do an activity like I, I still think that there's a lot of positives to being in the bubble. So I would say the same thing to Karis Levert if he was on the fence, if he was worried about his health and safety and his mental well-being, I'd be like, yeah, OK, don't go. But if I was saying like, hey, man, what what's best for my career? I'd be saying playing basketball games, dude, like get on the court and Put on a show for people. Show them that Karis LeVert has improved his game and gotten to a place where he can be the second best guy on a championship team. Like, who knows? So I just think that the Nets, what what isn't an opportunity for some people, like where they don't want to go, is going to be an opportunity for others. And there will be players on the Nets that get a chance to show whether or not they are regular NBA rotation players. And if they get smoked out and they lose all eight games... It'll be pretty understandable as to why they lost it. But then if they actually end up squeaking in, it's a chance for younger guys or some dudes who never had those chances to get probably blown out by the Raptors or the Celtics or the Bucks wherever they end up landing. So, like, I, I, I just, I have a hard time seeing a scenario where the Nets just completely crumble here and that nobody goes and all of a sudden they can't feel the roster. Like, that would be, that would be wild. Like, I don't know how the NBA would even handle that if they decided, like, hey, we actually did lose 80% of our roster here. Like, not just our salary cap, but our actual roster, what the game plan would be. But as of right now, I would just say this is still going to be an opportunity for some players. They'll probably be very non-competitive, but will they be so bad that the team behind them, the Washington Wizards, who I think is five or six games back, ends up ca catching them in eight or getting into that playing game? I don't know. But maybe it adds a little intrigue. I just, it's, it's, you're right. It is a fascinating subplot, though, as the list grows longer of, of nets that either can't be there or don't want to be there. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I mean, we'll see if that cascades to other teams, but the nets specifically, mm -hmm. um, well, I thought it was going to happen with the wizards. I thought when Bertans pulled out, I was like, okay, like here we go. This is what's going to happen. The bad teams are going to have their main guys say, uh, not worth it for me because like, if you remember Damian Lillard's stance early on in this thing, he was like, I'm not going to play in meaningless games. And so what happens if the Trailblazers lose three games, right? Like, what if they lose three games right out of the gate and they're just out of it? <laughs> does Damian Lillard stick around for the final five? Or does he say, 
let me out of here. I don't want to play these games. Like, I, I don't want to play in two meaningless games. I don't want to play in three meaningless games. I think that that element of the regular season is, is very, very real. The what happens to the bad teams once they are statistically eliminated and if they are eliminated four games into this thing. That, like, we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast about what happens with the good teams. Like, you know, if Milwaukee is facing you and it's your second last game and you need this win and they don't, how much they play on us. But like, there's a real conversation about what happens with with the bad teams, and the the Wizards and the Nets, and yeah, the Suns. All those groups have targets in terms of how they end up actually finishing this thing and and how successful it's going to be, and whether or not they should have just been in the loser bubble. Because I think the NBA will take a little bit heat here if a bad team quits on this thing early and the product suffers. Like, I, I think that that's genuinely a subplot here. Yeah, and I think it's probably. Uh, in play is the fatigue of staying locked up, you know, on the Disney campus gets to some guys and they're like, well, why am I here? And is anyone going to criticize me if I leave? And so when the games yeah. don't matter, we'll, we'll see. Uh, who do you got? What are your, what are your choices? So I, I look at this, like I said, who, who can really improve? It's why I think the Raptors are fascinating is because they just have guys who evolve and like the team evolves. And I, I really think that they're going to come back and look very cool. Um, I, I really want to see the Sixers. The Sixers fascinate me for this, this primary reason. It's like, what could Ben Simmons have possibly done in this time? And what about Joel Embiid? And they have two guys that I think that if they are playing at their very best, that can catapult them into a championship contender conversation. Like that's a real thing that could happen. Has Ben Simmons been in the gym and has he been working on his jump shot? And has Joel Embiid been in the gym working on his body and getting himself into great shape? Because man, we saw that little flash from Embiid in the postseason last year against the Raptors, like the, the airplane game. Like we saw the plus minuses of even a non-healthy Joel Embiid being on the floor against the Raptors and just the way that he impacts the game defensively and what he can do on offense. I think that there's a legitimate case, like a real legitimate case that when Joel Embiid is healthy and at his very best, that he is the best player in the NBA. Like I really, I, I remember the all-star game this year when it was all the best players on the court and everyone trying to do their things. And who was the Giannis all-stars going to? They were going to Joel Embiid. Like they said, you try to decide this game for us. I think that defensively, he is at least the tied for first best defensive player in the NBA. And I think that if he comes back and he has rejuvenated his body and he's in a healthy place, that the Sixers could be terrifying, especially if Ben Simmons can add just a little bit of floor spacing and decide like, I actually added a bit of a jumper here. Al Horford, they got to figure out that element because he wasn't in the starting lineup for a little while and then Simmons got hurt and they put him back in the starting lineup and he has not really been effective in that role. He was pretty unhappy. Maybe the break has changed his outlook a little bit. Maybe it has changed his role. I think that their coach is very much on the hot seat, how he determines this thing. They don't really have the, you feel confident in what they're going to be when they close. I just think that they have the highest um, degree of this team could be improved. This team could be much better. Also the highest level of best team that could just completely fall apart and get blown out. Like, would it be that shocking if they lost in round one to the Miami heat? Like if Jimmy Butler just, you know, rolled them in the first round, they end up as a five seed, the heat of four seed and, and Jimmy Butler smokes them out in five games. Like, no, but would you be that shocked if the Sixers made it to a finals based on what you saw last year and 
Embiid at his very best and Simmons at his very best? Uh, no, I, w- I wouldn't. But um, I think those two scenarios both hold true uh, if we were just playing the regular season out. Like, they're they're the Jekyll and Hyde team in the NBA. I know, but they've had this break, right? Like, they've had this real break where Embiid, like, the whole thing with him was getting him right for this stretch, was having a player who is bigger and it's tough to keep his body right. And you just look at the way he faded with the Raptors last year. It's that, hey, Joel, you got to come back and we're probably going to know where our seating is four or five games into this thing. We're not going to have to roll your minutes heavy. But when we get into this thing, we're going to treat you completely differently and your body should be completely correct. And same with Ben Simmons. Like the guy was coming off of an injury in the regular season. He was hurt. And now this guy comes back fully healthy, potentially having worked on his game for four months. And a guy who in a lot of ways is one of the more intriguing players in the NBA, just in terms of like, if he could add this one facet to his game, what his ceiling is. I could totally see scenarios where four games into that regular season, we're talking about a favorite in the Eastern Conference to come out of this thing, that we see a rejuvenated Joel Embiid, we see a healthy Ben Simmons and some lineup chemistry. And we're saying, actually, you know what? Where there's no home court advantage and teams have gotten healthy and teams are fresh, these guys look like they're ready to go on a run more than a bunch of other teams. Or conversely, I could see where we're four games in that regular season and Joel Embiid doesn't look like he's in great shape and people are just kind of doing the uh, are we allowed to criticize guys who didn't get their bodies completely correct? And Ben Simmons doesn't have a jump shot still, and he won't shoot it. And it's like, when is this ever going to happen if it's not now? And they're still struggling to find that chemistry of like what, how they close basketball games. I just think they're a fascinating team. I, I just cannot wait to see what they look like coming out of this break. What a multitude of teams look like. Like I said, Zion, how his body looks, how he plays. I just don't think he can win a championship this year. I still think that the Sixers and the Rockets are the two teams that are not going to have quote-unquote home court advantage, but that could come out of this break and you look at them and say, oh my God, James Harden is fresh. He's not worn down from having to carry his team for an entire year. He just gets to go on a hot James Harden stretch for two months and he wins an NBA championship. And same goes for Joel Embiid. So yeah, Sixers by a mile. If you told me, hey, you don't get to watch a Raptors game, first game back, who are you going to get to watch? I'm watching the Sixers. So like, I know the Nets fascinate you the most, but answer me just that question. Like if... The Raptors are off the table and you get to watch one league pass game. Who who do you choose to watch it on? Like I give like you're getting an assignment. Like you're covering game X, team X for a game. Who do you choose? Yeah, I mean, I think the f- most fascinating person in this team or franchise is LeBron. Yeah. And the Lakers. And so a lot of people were talking about this experience you know, trepidation and it's going to be mental warfare and it's going to be a real struggle and it's going to take commitment for the players, which is all is true and valid. But I also think for some players, it's going to be freeing. And here's why. I remember uh, after I interviewed um, Steph Curry a couple years ago, I was talking to him about, you know, what a normal day looks like for him. And this is basically what he described. And he was talking about himself, but talking about the plight of a player at that level, once they've become a star on the court and you become somewhat of a star in a brand in a business off the court, what your realities are like and how difficult it is to remain a star on the court. Not only are you obviously, you know, team meetings, you know, practice, treatment, all that stuff that comes into being a professional athlete. You also have your responsibilities at home, your children, your, your family, whatnot. Uh, in case Curry, you have a, a 
business arm that's doing philanthropic work. You have a business arm that's green lighting movies uh, and you're looking at scripts and and uh, talking to directors. You're talking to executives about the hour on ABC network television that your family has taken over. You're talking to your brand, Under Armour, not just about your shoe, but about your underrated tour and about the coming tour uh, of Asia, plus any brand initiatives that they're doing that have nothing to do with your personal career, but they need your help on, plus your other corporate sponsors, your clothing company, your your watch company, your, your financial partner, the car company, all of those conversations at a very high level. You're doing all of that, plus finding time if you're kept Steph Curry, you got a golf simulator in your house, you're trying to be a scratch golfer, or you're playing all the time, plus just your friends, plus just time to rest, recuperate, recharge. All of that is going on. All that chaos is going on. At the same time, you're trying to be really intentional about your craft and improve or just maintain the high level of play. So imagine if for three to four months, you take away all of the other stuff and all you have is the basketball. Imagine how much energy you'd find. Imagine how focused you'd be and you know the exact end date of when the this experiment is going to be over and so lebron who has all of those things plus 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 because he's literally the example that all of the players are using 35 ventures comes to kevin durant because he saw what lebron did with spring hill entertainment and with uninterrupted imagine if lebron doesn't have to worry about all that stuff doesn't worry about hopping on a jet to take a meeting with Mm -hmm. uh, a potential uh you know financial backer of of one of his business ventures and he's just worried about the basketball for three to four months yeah he could get on a zoom and yeah i mean he could still interact via text but all of that other baggage all that clutter is taken away well what does that do to the performance theoretically you think it goes up and so if you're telling me that the best player of the generation with a sprint to a championship and nothing else pulling at his time and energy and focus, I I, I think he, whatever that high ceiling is could be fascinating to watch. And that's why I'm interested in LeBron and thus the Lakers. My only thing with LeBron is that when you were just outlining those things, all I could think of was like, first of all, yeah, that I would never be able to make it as an actual celebrity because I would just be too exhausted by the schedule. Like you even just listing those responsibilities and being able to retain them was a lot for me. But that I think LeBron is going to have so much still on his plate from his own media company and also his social activism that there's actually a pressure on LeBron James to go deeper in this thing because the deeper he goes, the larger his platform becomes and the more that he is able to incite greater conversation. And I, and I truly believe that, especially as they get closer to the U.S. election, that someone who has a, an initiative that is about voter reform, that there is going to be a large component of distraction away from the court. Like, I just trust him to be able to, like, my thing is, though, is that I trust him to take the burden and still be the best, like, basketball player. It's hard for me to say, well, look at what LeBron's schedule has already been. Remember when we did the Space Jam thing? We're like, is LeBron going to be good because he plays at Space Jam? He says, doing the movie set. And then he shows up and it's like, oh, actually, he's still the most valuable player in the league. He looks awesome. His body's in great shape. His condition, he's got all his priorities correct. He's one of the most fascinating athletes who ever lived. Like, I... I just think that if there's there really isn't a burden that's going to take LeBron off. Maybe we end up seeing a different one. What you kind of outlined to me, though, is like, 
why I'm so fascinated with James Harden because he can't do any bad stuff. Like he's not going to be able to do James. Like you've talked about this on the podcast. He has his Jersey retired in strip clubs. Like the guy is known for partying. <laughs> he's he's like apparently dropped 20 pounds. He looks completely shredded and he hasn't carried the Houston Rockets to an MVP regular season where he's just had to have the, the burden of the offense on his shoulders for four or five months. Like, I, I can't wait to see what James Harden looks like where he just has to focus on basketball in really, really high stake games as a player who's been really criticized for not being able to bring in high stakes games, who has not performed on this platform. Like, I think that he's kind of looking at this opportunity as as what kind of some guys should be, which is that you're going to be quarantined with basketball. You're not going to have any distractions and you're just going to be able to go out and play ball. Like, I, I he's kind of the easy target, like for me to be picking this out. But I, I think you're completely right that there are going to be some players at this thing. And LeBron is, you know, absolutely maybe one of them who just have so much burden taken off their shoulders and that they actually get to go back to feel like they're just in a basketball camp again when, you know, you're in high school or you're in AAU and you're playing. I know they're not playing three games in a day, but where you would play two games in a day or three games. And, and it really reinvigorates some passion for some of these players. Like I... I think that's a really smart thing to bring up just that there's all these stresses about getting there and trying to get into the bubble that we brought up in Florida and all these numbers. But once guys are actually there and once they're just playing ball and once they're just with their peers and they're going from practice and to the hotel and not really being able to socialize even in the same way that it's just back to basketball and with your teammates getting tight knit that it's it's going to be freeing. Like you said, I think that there are some guys who are absolutely going to come out of this. And when we're talking about those book deals that some media members are going to write, there's absolutely going to be a book or an angle from a player. That's like why I loved my time in the bubble. Why I like bring me back to the bubble. I am now the bubble boy. It's like, it just works for them. It's going to suit some people just like being at home and working from home has suited some people. Like we're all not all geared the same way. And for some, it's going to be a a fascinating and really interesting experience from like a, a career standpoint. Yeah. I'm uh, cautiously optimistic that uh, there are players who lean in and who see it that way. And thus we'll get an incredibly high level of basketball in a couple of weeks. Oh, I can't wait. Please let it happen. Please let it happen. Please let everybody be safe. Please let everybody get there. Uh, we'll wrap this up as always. Um, I mean, I've been outside a lot more, but I've still found some time for some TV. Have you done the same since the weather has turned up? Like, I feel like you've still got something on television that you're watching right now. People are starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel when it comes to Netflix. Like, it's it's getting thin out there. Summer months, people have already grinded through it. Do you have anything for this home stretch? Um, I mean... Even you, even the reality TV no, king himself. See, I'm trying to see what I would narrow it down to. I mean, I did mention... Uh, uh, Epstein uh, earlier in the pod randomly uh, in his Netflix doc. If you haven't already seen it, um, it's it is uh, harrowing, but it's also yeah, I... uh, pr- pretty well done. I, I it's it's back in the news now because his co-conspirator uh, has uh, G Lan has since been uh, been charged. But it's um, really well done. Speaking of another Netflix doc that's also harrowing, Athlete A is uh an expose on what uh on what usa gymnastics did and did not do to protect uh their female competitors from uh systemic abuse at the hands of larry nasser the the reporting uh that comes out of it and just the 
the heart-wrenching stories um are are tough to watch but also you know for me important to watch so and not, yeah. not necessarily giving you with uh you know light viewing uh but those are the two things that were really really well done and we're, we're worth the time if you if you can get into the mental space to watch it yeah see I, I can't put myself in the mindset to watch some of those things it's just it's i like it's too difficult for me to watch I, i've read enough about epstein at this point i've read all i ever want to know about nasa at this point and so seeing it is just it, it depresses me but i love how you go from like either you're watching a reality dating show about people who won't have sex with each other on an island or you're like i'm gonna watch the most intense documentaries about abuse like that's those are your lanes like it's either the most serious or the most light like like do you ever just drive down the middle of the road like do you ever just find like a lane in this thing where you're like you know what i'm gonna watch an episode of uh of the wire i'm gonna watch an episode of the office no no, one yeah. spectrum or the other. <laughs> Big Donnie three don't roll like that. Correct. Yeah, Donnie three. Donnie three is <laughs> Donnie three is man. I honestly, I I forgot to say this. If any associates, if we ever go back in public, if we ever go back in a public life, you know, where people are out and doing things, and you ever see Donovan Bennett in public, and you don't yell out "Yo, uh, real Big Donnie three, I will be devastated. Um, I love murder mystery shows. I've actually watched so many of them that there's like none left on the internet for me to watch. Like it's like if there's a if there's a murder mystery, like there's something, uh, a person in a small town that's been killed and the town has to, like I've seen every single one of them. And now I, I finally found the bottom. I had to go all the way to Iceland. I watched a show called Trapped on Netflix with my brother uh, hung over on a Saturday or a Sunday. We just completely crushed the entire thing. Amazing show. Start slow. And if you can put up with subtitles and you like that kind of genre, I promise you, once you get past the names, because the names are tough, it's like everybody's got like a really like groom glitter name. And it's like, oof, like that's that's not a, the best place for names. Iceland, like they just don't really have that nailed down. Really, really tough spot. Once you get past that subtitles telling you awesome, awesome cop, awesome lead, good actors, good story, good plot, good stuff. High level murder mystery show trapped on Netflix. And now I'm done. As if, if I'll, I'll never find another one because I've seen every single one. Uh, I will add that to the queue. I will favorite it. Look out for it. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. Uh, all right, we're done here. Um, you can subscribe as always. You can leave a review. You can share it on social media. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week with uh, a little bit more of a heavy Raptor show. It's for your association on Sportsnet Podcast Network. See ya.